Welcome to Much to Discuss, a weekly conversation between extraordinaire, just as a person in general, Kelly O'Shea, and me, Steph Swan, tackling <laughs> culture, content, news, and topics we're absorbing this week. Kel, how are we? What's going on? I'm great. I'm still recovering from marathon weekend in New York on Sunday. Uh, I didn't run. My theory is it's tiring to be a spectator. It's the best day in New York and so exhausting. I've never run it. I was going to say I've also never run it. That's not true for you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like from running it, I can say this. Spectating is objectively harder than running. Like <laughs> after the marathon, I feel like you're on a high, you're sore, you're proud of yourself. You're like going through the emotional ups and downs. But Monday this week, I was just like, I don't think that my emotions were supposed to take that big of a drop from Sunday feeling on top of the world to Monday being like, I have to go work. I have been an emotional roller coaster for the past three days. <laughs> You know what? It suits you that you have more emotion about almost not having participated than when you have participated. Yeah. <laughs> and having never run it myself, I won't agree with that claim of yours because I also think running, what is it, 23? What is the 26. mile? 26.2 miles versus standing on the side of the road <laughs> hearing. <laughs> It is a great day. It is really emotional. And I will say last year, with the humidity being yeah. what it was, that was a slog. It was. I too was exhausted on the Monday after. But I say that now because I'm far away from the people who would did that actual marathon and would come after me for saying such things. No, that's true. This year was. It was beautiful weather. And we have obviously a shared friend who ran who crushed it. And then I have another friend, actually two shared friends that ran Yeah, We share all friends. They were just amazing. I had two friends who have had some things in their personal life that I feel like they've really overcome. And I'm just like, you can't be more proud than that. It is. It's pretty awesome when you think about everyone really has a story or a lot of people have stories behind the motivation to run a marathon. I guess we're talking about it because we both know the experience. For those who've never been on the streets of New York City during a marathon, walk us through what it's like. Oh my God. Uh, New York's marathon, it goes through all five boroughs of New York, which is a really special experience because you'll never go to Staten Island otherwise. <laughs> You're taking <laughs> So oh, I guess if we had any Staten Island listeners, it was nice knowing you. <laughs> I feel like they'll understand. Like they're used to that rep. But you're making a lot of bold claims so far this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. I'm feeling feisty today. I'm still in my emotional recovery from the weekend. Yeah. Everyone excuse Cal. Just lean in. Come along for the ride. Staten Island, all five boroughs. It's just packed with all the people on every step of the way. It's constant cheering. The energy is crazy. I think it's like some somewhere around 50,000 people that are running and it's just electric. The whole city's electric and it finishes in Central Park. It's wholesome vibes. If yeah. you're running, you're crying. If you're spectating, you're crying. It's a really, if really you're Kelly, time. you're crying. Yeah, if you're me, you're crying. I woke up in the morning, looked at my phone, thought of my friend running, sobbed, was like, I got to get myself together to go actually watch the race. Got off the train, saw the first round of runners, sobbed. Got to her first stop, saw my friend run by, sobbed all day long. It was just 
stop, go, stop, go. Any wonder you're exhausted on the Monday. You're also probably hella dehydrated. That's honestly so true. The only thing I would add to your descriptor is it's as if there's a street party going on and everyone's invited. And mm. it's probably the best outtakes of that feeling you get in a large stadium when you're supporting a team for those who are sports fans. If you're at a concert for those who are music lovers, that sense of like unity you get when you're all sharing similar emotions. Mm-hmm. It's that across kind of every block and street in New York City. And it's very special. It's a lot of fun. And I feel it's rare these days to just get a day where everyone is filled with joy, support, love, encouragement. Yeah. It's contagious. It's a beautiful day. If you're ever in a major city and there's a marathon going on around you, maybe check it out. Agreed. We missed you. On that I note. Missed it too. On that note. What have you been up to this week? Tell me about your weekend. Two of our best friends came up to Queensland and visited us. It was just such a fun time. Wait, is Queensland Brisbane? Yeah, Queensland's the state. Brisbane's the city. Okay, sorry. Continue. Unlike New York, New York, which is just named like the same thing. Got it. It's like Chicago, Illinois. Okay, I'm tracking. Brisbane, Queensland. So they came up. The weather was terrible. Rained for four days and it hasn't rained more than one day in nine months. So that's a gag. In spite of that, it was just so lovely they're getting married in april so this was like the time that we got to spend with them kind of one-on-one got excited about that and just life in general it was really nice and they met ernie little fluff pup he's doing well being a little terror this morning but otherwise (laughs) doing good really we're trying to live quite a sedate life at the moment but obviously with them in town we went to beautiful restaurants went out did did a bunch of things which was always lovely yeah i love that that's my life i actually thought of you this morning not just because we're doing this podcast but because i also saw a meme that made me think of you it said are you normal or do you practice your british accent unprovoked Mm. I understand why you thought of me. It could have had Australian, but I feel like you do the British as well. Poorly. Don't you also do accents at random or no? I guess no. I've never heard you do one. Like speaking in my own accent? is No, not speaking in your own <laughs> No. The only one I do is when people are like, what do you think Americans sound like? And then I'm like, my apple pie. Give me my apple pie. And can I have some whipped cream with that, darling? I go very Southern. I don't know why. So It's very Southern, but it's honestly, it's very lovable. Thanks. That's like my alter ego made me in a different world. I would have just baked apple pies somewhere in the South. (laughs) It's like so the antithesis of you. (laughs) I fucking hate cooking. What am I talking about? I hate it. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I also saw that in the news, the orchids have been at it again. They're still sinking vessels off the coastline it's so good that's wild there is animal news really everywhere these days i was reading which i sent to you the other night that there was a sheep named fiona that was rescued off the bottom of a scottish cliff because apparently she was totally fine down there like she had shelter and a lot of food and water and could have survived just fine but once people on social media found out about her there was public outcry that she was lonely down there and the sheep farmers were like social media is crazy i guess we have to rescue her so that's why they went down to go get her so all these people like not that we don't have bigger fish to fry no they were like the socialization of this sheep by humans and fellow sheep is sad they think that she was walking with her mom and must have slipped down the cliff and then it would have been hard for her to get back up do we know that to be true at all that's what it said in the article in the new york times (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, so Fiona the sheep was rescued this week. That's the, the article. How did you feel when you read that article, Cal? Extremely emotional, mostly at her being alone down there for two years. I was just like, it's just so sad for the sheep. Like, what was she doing down there? She don't have TikTok. Living her best life. She was like, I've got all the food, no one to compete with, no one's bothering me. No, that's true. They actually said at the end of the article, which I think you'll absolutely die for, she has to lose a bunch of weight because she got so fat being down at the bottom of the cliff by herself because she ate so much grass. She was like 230 pounds. Wait, what? Yeah. Good for her. She was atopatic, that's for sure. So now she's fun. having to socialize and be on a diet. A month from now, I'm going to be like, Fiona has escaped from the farm and found her way back at the bottom of the cliff. She's just trying to run off the edge of every mountain, trying to get back there. No, it's honestly so relatable. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so you and Fiona, okay, that's important news. We're not even in the news. This is just our opening preamble. Yeah, it was just some things I found out about animals. Oh dear. Well, we promised people we'd cover more of the trips of the past, but I think we've done enough <laughs> chit-chatting. Yeah, I think you're right. And I may move us in to our first segment of the day, which is where you shock and awe me with pop culture. So why don't you tell me what's going on this week, Cal? My first story for you is that Patrick Dempsey has been named as People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. He is 57 years old, and it has been almost 20 years since he started starring in Grey's Anatomy. Are you Googling Patrick yes. Dempsey? <laughs> I, was like, I think that's the current Grey's Anatomy guy, but I'm not sure. You are unbelievable. Okay, so it's the Grey's Anatomy dude. Okay, got it. Has he done anything other than that? It feels like a very odd choice. Like, I think this would have made sense when he was in the height of his Grey's Anatomy career, but like, he's 57. I've now been distracted by the headline. Who named him the sexiest man alive? People Magazine. They do it every year. I feel like they're trying to be like, oh yeah, let's go an old guy. So I did look through the history of People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive to have this conversation. A couple things that shocked me. First of all, there has only been one sexiest woman alive ever, and then they just gave up. It was Kate Upton in 2014. I mean, it is nice to objectify men for once, like the table's being turned. Although, That's objectifying so anyone is not great. So wait, <laughs> let's pull that back. <laughs> no, that is so but true. I can understand why the male version of it has lived on longer than the female. Yeah, I can as well. I think there are other people I would pick first, but as I was going through, I was like, my main picks have been chosen. So that enters my question for you on who do you think should be the sexiest man alive? I don't think I have an answer for that. You're kidding. Indra's Elba is just... Yeah. So I've been watching a lot of Luther lately, so I'm like, he feels like a very obvious easy one him and michael b jordan i think is a really good one oh yeah he's hot oh my god i just googled this timothy chalamet is coming no. up with this, which is i think that's very of the era below us but like chris hemsworth chris evans like boring i'm kind of surprised it's not pedro pascal i feel like he oh, had a year that's a good one yeah yeah uh, my favorite interview ever is when pedro pascal is on the lie detector and gets asked if he ever looks at his fan accounts and he's like yes they're like, which one do you look at? And he's like, Pedro Pascal fan account. <laughs> we'll find the clip. If you didn't love this man already, you will after seeing this clip. It's so good. Oh, Henry Golding, that's a good one. Such a good one. He's really hot. And actually, David Beckham, he's had a resurgence because of the Beckham documentary. I'll pay that. So 
true. Yeah, no, all these people should have been sexiest man alive above Patrick Dempsey, I think. He is still really hot. I just don't get why now. Silver Fox. I guess this is the same year as The Golden Bachelor. We're trying to say aging isn't terrible, which it's obviously not, but that is not what pop culture has really been messaging ever. No, you're right. I looked up one of the first People magazine sexiest men alive in the history of all of the men chosen. And it was JFK Jr. in 1988 when he was a third year law student, which <laughs> I was like, he wasn't even a celebrity. He was just part of a famous family. No. There's an article that goes along with each of the sexiest men alive. Patrick Dempsey's was very wholesome. He was like, I'm so surprised, but this is really good for my ego. And then he like talked about a charity that he founded in it. Okay, love that. That's the comparison to what you'll hear about what they wrote about JFK Jr. This is, this is real. Get your eyes off that man's derriere. We saw your gaze wandering back there. It is true that columnist Liz Smith has noted that the boy has gorgeous buns, but you've got to remember, he has a mind too. You've got to remember. Oh my goodness. So I guess we used to objectify both sexes a lot more than we do now. Yeah. You know what? I'd be quite complimented if someone was talking about my derriere in that sense. Same. Well, okay. Good on Patrick Dempsey. He can take it. I wonder how long this is going to stay. Honestly, very good question. I think a while. I don't reckon it's going to last over the next decade, but we'll see. Doesn't the Sports Illustrated magazine still have a cover girl? Well, it's kind of like Victoria's Secret's fashion show folded. Things like that that used to be cult and you could never have thought they would come to an end. You're right. And I think as we kind of challenge and say that is how we look the most important thing in society, maybe we'll step away from it. But maybe it's a bit of fun that we'll just have forever and more. I guess time will tell. True. Are you ready for my second story? Yep, of course. Hit me. Vogue has announced the Met Gala theme for the first Monday in May of 2024 as Sleeping Beauty's reawakening fashion. The theme is going to be around treasured garments in the museum's connection that are so fragile that they need to be housed in special glass coffins rather than on mannequins. So it'll be 250 pieces that span four centuries and the display of them is said to be immersive. So it'll have like video animation and light projection and AI and CGI to provide context to each piece. Oh, that's actually a Met Gala exhibition that I would love to see. Because I feel like so much of fashion right now, and it always is, it's cyclical, it like comes back around, but I feel like I can see that more. Yeah. So this is someone who is not at all in the fashion industry. I would actually love to see it. Same. I think it'll be a really good one. And now I'm also curious about the Met Gala carpet and how people will dress up for that. It feels like this is just where celebrities will be in high, high, high end rare designer pieces. And I feel like that's just what you see these days everywhere. The more social media influences we get and stuff like that, there's just a lot of that floating around. But it'll be cool to see. I also thought maybe it was a Disney theme when I saw Sleeping Beauties, but... As if Anna Wintour would ever. Imagine the costumery that would pop off on that red carpet, though, if they picked Disney. It'd be like Halloween, not like the Met Gala. They could make a very fashion-forward Disney-based red carpet. And this is probably why you'll never have Anna Wintour's job. Who's that royal guy that you were jealous of Sophie Turner rebounding with last week? Oh, yeah. The Aristocat. (laughs) You can go as Aristocats. Yeah, for the Sleeping Beauty Disney theme. Oh, my. It really comes full circle around here. It just, it really does. This (laughs) is why you've just got to be a weekly listener. Otherwise, you'll have no idea what that was just about. 
What else do you have for me? My final piece for you is that Mean Girls, the musical, the trailer, it's going to be a movie, just dropped with Renee Rapp starring as Regina George and Tina Fey returning as Miss Norbury. The original Mean Girls was released in 2004, and the new version is going to be based off of the musical that was on Broadway, but released as a movie. But in the trailer, they didn't actually tease to any of the musical numbers. It was just an Olivia Rodrigo song. Yeah, I am. I saw this, actually. So well done, me. And I'm so curious as to how they're going to bring this back to life. But the fact that Tina Fey is involved again, I have high hopes. Renee Rapp feels like someone that wouldn't sign on to a project that just perpetuates the bad messages from Mean Girls back in the day. That's true. Like I went to a high school where uh, before we got there, the kids who'd been going there for a while had done a burn book inspired by Mean Girls. So Mean Girls wasn't great in terms of setting examples for like young kids back then. Although I feel like they made it very known how wrong it was through the movie, didn't they? Like it was like vilified that they had a burn book. You were like, oh yeah. But think about little brains that haven't really developed their prefrontal cortex. And the whole thing is like, well, look at them. They're popular in Mean Girls. That's unfortunately what's takeaways were I think no that's true I guess I'm excited to see it I just am confused how long has to pass before you can release a new version of a movie two decades is pretty fair you think so yeah because you want to do it where it's still in the zeitgeist that you've got like pretty much anyone it appealed to before is in a completely different phase of their lives Yeah, I was like, I'm very curious. And I think it's going to be interesting, as I said, to see the shift in society from 2004 to like 2024 and what would be included in that reboot. Everybody knows Mean Girls. It was such a huge movie of that time. So it'll be interesting to see if it's just all of us rewatching the new one or if it appeals to the youngins that like it did the first time around. Yeah. Do you remember how much in your teens how much fun it was when a new trailer dropped for something. Yeah, all the best. I remember Bridesmaids. And I remember thinking, I didn't, as usual, I went into it with very little information or research. And we thought it was like a real rom-com. We didn't realize it was a comedy and almost peed my pants from laughter. That is still and always will be one of my favorite movies. That movie's amazing and the most dangerous to start on a plane because it opens up in like that aggressive sex scene between Chris oh, and John Hamm. The worst sex scene ever. Like so the worst. Funny. And like it's so funny how John Hamm is so hot, but in that movie he's so foul. Yeah, he's awful. He John Hamm's really... in Mean Girls. Who does he play in that? He's in the new one as the. Oh, 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 I thought you meant the first one. I was like, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as usual. Took me on a journey, Cal. I appreciate it. Anytime. That's what I'm here for. Next up, with some more newsworthy topics for the week, the sensational Seth Swan. Do you want to get me started? I like that you're trying to like pass back that intro. <laughs> I can't let you get by with introducing yourself as and me, Steph Swan, at the beginning. I think it's very, it's perfect. It's very fitting. Is yeah. my is my thought there. Topic one. This is a topic that was inspired by real world conversations underscored by a TikTok video that I then saw that had you and I messaging backward and forward, Kel. And it's a topic that might have gotten lost among the many headlines over the last year. However, I reckon it could be one of the most pervasive topics that there is. And with no further ado, that topic is loneliness. Really all it takes is a quick Google to find articles globally warning that this is 
the next major health crisis of our time. You know, from Australia to the US to the UK, broadly in Europe, there are many articles and research papers and smarter people than us looking into this topic. I guess before we dive into some of the studies and articles I found kind of in relation to this to unpick it, how do you feel as we were messaging about this, Kelly? Yeah, it's an interesting word and topic overall because I think feeling lonely and the word loneliness, you assume that you are completely alone in that. So I think that finding out just how many people have a shared feeling, which is the vast majority, I would think, of people in your life when you ask them of a time that they felt lonely or if they currently do, you'll be almost surprised by some of the answers. But it's been a topic I've talked a lot with my slash our therapist about with loneliness because I don't think it necessarily even has to come from a person who isn't connected with their social circles or anything like that. It can stem from so many different places of not feeling connected to yourself or a certain element of your life or what you're doing or really just even the people that you're around on a regular basis and it's a really scary isolating feeling and one that feels kind of impossible to climb out of for sure and i think you're dead right some of it can either be actually alone feeling like you don't have many opportunities to connect socially and some of it is even when you're in the presence of others, feeling as though you're alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the lesser obvious piece of it and potentially the part of it that makes people doubt maybe even their own feelings. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's so important to talk about because I think with anything that is hard in life, sometimes if it's something that feels silent and you don't feel seen or acknowledged in it, then it almost feels even more overwhelming. One of the links we will provide for everyone is a Gallup poll wellness. So this was a survey that found nearly one in four adults feels lonely. And this survey was taken across 142 countries. So that is a very pervasive sample size. It found that the highest rate of loneliness were among young adults, with 20% of young adults aged 19 to 29 reporting they were feeling very or fairly lonely, which is heartbreaking really, because that in society is usually the time where you're most connected with community and society, but we are trending the other way at this time. And it's really around what is the mixture of how people interact these days. And that's what a lot of these papers and surveys are trying to understand. So in this article, it highlights that research suggests it takes 30 hours of interaction to make a casual friend and 140 hours to make a good friend, 300 hours to make a best friend. Love putting KPIs around things. That's but, crazy, isn't it? You know, you do wonder if the role of social media even counts towards developing those close connections. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that, Kel? I would say no. I think it has to be in-person conversations, honestly. Yeah. What do you think? It is that kind of face-to-face -face connectivity. I just think so much of human interaction comes from body language. And I think we all found this, those that had the privilege of being able to work remotely when the pandemic first hit. After some time, you did realize that things like culture and interpersonal relationships and the parts of work that make work fun mm -hmm. felt like they had almost evaporated because of the lack of in-person connectivity, et cetera. I'm pro-hybrid working. I think there's great flexibility and a bunch of other stuff that's great about it. But being able to just come back together every now and then felt really important to me. Mm -hmm. 
And I was looking at this study, it's from the Australian Institute of Health and Wellness, and they wanted to look at loneliness among young Australians as it was an issue prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, and they have now described it as an epidemic and one of the most pressing public health concerns in Australia, which is really scary and something to call into attention because, again, about one in five Australians agreed with the statement, I often feel very lonely. And again, an increasing number of people are under the age of 24, and especially in females, have reported experienced loneliness since 2015 that number's been increasing that's crazy yeah it's social isolation is such a important part of this i think in the young adults based on what i've gleaned from kind of looking around at the experts who have been researching in this place and they're saying that the frequency of social contact has been declining across all age groups Mm. and I think some of this, and it depends because studies define this differently, like some define social contact over social media, others don't, but either which way it seems to be going down. And I think the other thing that I'm quite cognizant of is that like I often feel like social media and pop culture represents that we should have 50 best friends. It's mm-hmm. a highlight reel of other people. And I think part of that might create a sense of loneliness because people think they're comparing and contrasting and that's probably not a real or realistic benchmark that actually means you feel deeply happy have you noticed this like I have young cousins that I've talked to about it who I think sometimes are a bit confused like well should I have more friends than I have and have you noticed any of that in your own life Cal? Definitely. Social media is comparison across the board which we already know that and what you're seeing isn't actually the reality of what is half the time anyways you could have 30 best friends and none of those could be a deep best friendship and what's really ironic about that is you could be looking at somebody posting a lot about being around their 30 to 40 best friends and they too could be reporting that they feel incredibly lonely because they don't have in-depth friendship so it's just this full like it's almost like we're all comparing ourselves to the wrong thing but like everybody feels this just sinking sense of loneliness and lack of connection. And I don't know how much of it is based on what's happening in society and how much of it is because we're living so much of our lives online. So much of our time is going to such a different place from how it probably used to be placed, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think depending on the person, there's probably different extents to which those different factors Mm -hmm. are leaving an impact. And I think we've talked about it before on the pod where they're showing that it's not only mental health, but it really impacts physical health as well as having deep and lasting friendships and relationships. I actually found another study. It's from like an official website of the US. It's the National Library of Medicine. So it is a paper that has, I think, about eight experts who have contributed to it and they were researching the associations between social media use and loneliness. They were really trying to see and conclude what interaction does time on social media influence loneliness. Mm -hmm. And in the summary of their main results, they said that they found that more time spent on social media was associated with higher levels of loneliness, even when adjusting for age group, living with a spouse or partner, employment, and health worry. So the association between social media use and loneliness was found to vary by the participants' motive for social media use. So for participants with higher or some ratings on using social media to avoid difficult feelings, there was no significant association between social media use and loneliness. For participants who reported higher levels of maintaining contact motives for social media use, they 
found that there was a relationship between more time spent on social media and higher levels of loneliness. So what's really interesting in this is that if people are actually motivated to use social media to connect, it doesn't seem like it's scratching that itch, Mm -hmm. to put it in very basic terms. It's worth noting that also to avoid complicated emotions going to social media, that's not a good habit at all either. Neither of those motives feel great, but it was just really interesting to me that in order to connect. Some people are reaching for their phones and trying to use those platforms can, as they advertise to us. Mm-hmm. And this is just one study, but they concluded that it actually contributed to higher levels of loneliness versus alleviating that feeling. Really what comes to mind is you've got to disconnect to reconnect. You know, if you're listening to this and any of this resonates with you, know you're not alone at all. In fact, this is becoming more and more common and potentially you could consider approaching it differently, approaching how you combat that feeling if it's something you're interested in addressing. And I felt like, Kelly, you're someone who likes alone time Mm -hmm. but doesn't feel lonely. So what things have worked for you to create a community? Yeah. Well, I think too, it's twofold because I think there have been periods where I felt intensely lonely and it's kind of stemmed from a number of different things of like friendships changing in my life and not really knowing what I'm doing with my life and feeling really disconnected from a sense of purpose overall. And I think that in addition to that, kind of not having a partner and not being a married person is a kind of shocking societal revelation as a woman that's hopefully going to get better with time. But I think it can feel like you're really alone in that experience. And like, there's something off with you when that's not the case at all. It's just this kind of push from society and what you're seeing on social media. It does feel very comparative of why am I not living my very, very best life? And I think that the reality of it is, is what you were talking about before of creating those communities based on what you value and what you're actually interested in as cliche as it is it's like what do you want to do with your free time like some of loneliness is I honestly think not feeling connected to what you're doing on a regular basis and finding areas that might be long-term happiness versus short-term happiness of scrolling on social media can be something like I mean volunteering is an easy example but it's also have you ever been really interested in painting or quilting or something really random that you can kind of go and engage with on a regular basis and try just to like be around people. You don't even have to talk. Yeah. And I mean, you've signed up and done things like you do pottery, you're playing you photography, like having known you over the last three years, I feel like you've adopted a bunch of things for yourself that you find a lot of joy in. Yeah. It really is about, I guess, paying attention. And, you know, a goal I set for myself is doing random acts of kindness for people that I care about Mm -hmm. because I think for me you kind of get caught up you only have your own perspective and you're in your own head so you're kind of thinking about yourself it's really nice to be able to think beyond me how do you do things more broadly I don't know yesterday I cleaned out the entire of mom's pantry that I guess hasn't been done in a minute and because I just want it to be nicer and easier for her when she gets back because she's away right now and that may not sound fun I guess I like organizing too but it was really nice to be able to do that to help someone and I think I actively tell people I'm an extrovert in general so I think it's probably easier for me to like reach out to people but I really make it a point to let people know how I feel how special they are if I like someone when I first meet them it's like we should go and grab coffee and I know that can feel 
really vulnerable and kind of weird. But if you're not someone who typically does that, but you're wanting to grow your network or have a deeper community, try something different. And the worst case scenario is they'll be like, oh, I'm actually too busy at the moment. And you're like, cool, water off a duck's back. No worries. Because that's how you may find and connect with people who will change your life and make it better. We wanted to highlight what's going on. We'll link the three different studies we talked about during this segment, but also wanted to bring some of our own experiences to the table. Hey, if you want to be our friends, we're always open for new friends. So (laughs) consider this the offer. So changing gears, there has been an announcement in the tech world this week. So OpenAI just announced a new customizable version of ChatGPT. Before we dive in, I wanted to first take a step back mm-hmm. and help people understand, for those who don't know, what is ChatGPT, who owns it, what does that all mean? Before I give you how the internet's defined it, and I think ChatGPT themselves define it, Cal, how would you describe it? I feel like it is essentially, I mean, I don't want to use the word conversational, but it's a, it is a conversation with a robot that is AI. So it's taking information from all over the internet where it's just like combing sources to give you a response in normal language. When you ask a question, giving you like an, a plethora of information on anything you want to know. And for those who might not know, the acronym AI is artificial intelligence. People have likened this to sentient beings. Hmm. That's what we are as human beings. And I think you're bang kind of on the money there, Cal. I think how they describe it is it's a popular tool that responds to questions with human-like responses. It is a system powered by artificial intelligence through generative pre-training, similar to automated customer support chats commonly found online. So you may know it's out there. It has taken the internet by storm. I guess it depends on your demographic and interactions. Some people have maybe heard about it, really don't know much beyond the term. Others may be using it in their everyday lives. So it really does I think on the spectrum of what it means to you, it differs drastically person to person. But I do think it is something that will become integrated for everyone down the line. And before we talk about the adaptation to ChatGPT, it's worth noting that OpenAI are the company behind ChatGPT. And OpenAI was established in 2015 by a group of individuals that include Elon Musk and Sam Altman. Sam Altman's the current CEO of OpenAI. And there are other names, but you would definitely know. Friend of the pod, Elon Musk. I had no idea he was involved. Yeah, this is where I think some of the commentary comes around the concern for how much power he stands to have, given his involvement in some really key technologies that are transforming how society works. So if you think of Starlink, which is the internet available through low low orbit satellite that's kind of piggybacked off his SpaceX company. Mm -hmm. Like his rockets can kind of drop them into space. So that helped him serve it from Tesla to now Twitter. He's also part of OpenAI, which is part of ChatGPT. So Elon Musk is the name you know, and Sam Altman might be the other name you know, because he's the CEO of OpenAI. Why are we talking about it again this week? What's changed? They have launched a new function. And it's called JetGPT's multiple. So what this means is you can now create custom versions of ChatGPT that combine instructions, extra knowledge, and any combination of skills. So what's really unique about this is that you can customize them and you don't need code. So you can use natural language 
to actually build custom chat GPT, meaning that you don't need to be able to go in the back and code anything. You can chat with it using natural language. How will these be used? What does it actually mean? We will link out to OpenAI's website and this announcement because they have a dashboard that has examples, but it can help you do things like learn the rules to any board game, help teach your kids maths, design stickers. Like they, there can be all these custom chat GPTs that are for a specific purpose. So it narrows kind of the return and the results and how you'd use it. Because I think ChatGPT that has been commonly known and used is like really broad, open-ended. The way it's being talked about, because I had a bit of a sleuth around YouTube and TikTok and Googling some articles, people are talking about it like it's like applications of the future. It's like how we use our app store today, but on steroids. It's that next generation with the power of AI included and embedded them. And so I saw a cool use case of it where it was, you can design a poster on Canva without ever using the Canva app. You can chat to that custom GPT and say, I want you to make a poster, here's the headlines. And you can do that without knowing how to use Canva or any kind of design principles. It will just generate that for you. And so you can also use it to connect many apps together, becoming a command center. So in theory, something I find frustrating is like I have different apps for my email because some apps support Outlook, others support Gmail better. Like you kind of, yes, in theory, some of those apps are meant to be able to do it all, but it seems a bit clunky there's probably a world in which this new custom chat GPT could give you everything you needed without ever having to open those applications themselves because you've created kind of a, a GPT app. And so then the other important thing coming is that they will be opening like their own version of an app store and they're talking about it being <clears throat> a revenue sharing model. So what they're saying is those who design the most popular uses will make money. So they're going to become available in their app store and people can download and use them. And then those people who help build them are going to get some of that revenue. So it's a big shift that actually might accelerate really quickly. Mm -hmm. And I will be honest, like my brain is struggling a little bit to understand the full future state of this. How are you tracking, Cal, in wrapping your head around it? I think similarly. I'm so surprised by this. And I'm also, we were talking about some of the regulations that need to happen around AI. And this sounds so unregulated and so fast. I'm just like, how are they going to control this from spinning out of, I don't know if they can, but. Yes, yeah. like regulations around open AI or AI in general is going to be really interesting. And I mean, they're not slowing down. I think if you read their press release, they talk about how this is the customization is for specific purposes because okay. they've said many of our power users wanted to be able to do this and they kept requesting more control. And so in their minds, they're saying that the best GPTs will be invented by the community. So in they're trying to put development in the hands of anyone. In their minds, this is making it more accessible to those that don't have experience in code, but may have a lot of experience in wanting to solve problems and create tools that make things more streamlined. I mean, theoretically, um, that's great. Yep. I know. Theoretically. So I think this is definitely one to do a bit of Googling on and have a look into it. And it may be a way to make some money. If you think of a custom chat GPT once they launch their app store, that's in news. And again, if we have people out there who are like headfirst into this, they're coders, they use chat GPT every day, reach out and tell us like what you're going to build. 
would love to hear of people in our communities that do this. And I would say that this precludes no one. If you think you don't understand this technology enough, I promise you'll be able to figure this out. I encourage anyone to go and have a look at this because I'm sure actually people in older demographics have far more experience about like the kind of solution and tools the world needs. So that's you. I'm like, <laughs> that's you, dad. You could probably actually do this yourself. I love that. All right. So that's everything on news. As we do with this delicious sandwich we feed you guys every week, we end on a high. We want to move into content. And as a reminder, this is just what we've been consuming this week that can include articles, shows, movies, and podcasts we're taking in. I will say I watched The Fall of the House of Usher. You did? What did you think? Fill me in. I devoured it. It was obviously got nothing to do with Usher, to be really. We won't do any spoilers, but I think that it was definitely spooky. Kept Googling, like, is this based on a true story? Because it, like, had that vibe. Yeah. I like that it plays with the idea of what you sacrifice for the future to have today. That was one of my big takeaways with it. And I can't say more than that without ruining kind of the whole series. But it was awesome. I loved it. I think highly recommend. It's it's very easy viewing. Yeah. It's not distressing insofar as like they make the characters kind of repulsive. Yeah. A lot of the time. So you're not heartbroken, but it is shocking. There is one of the protagonists who you love, the youngest one, I feel like. But it was really great. I think great shout. So glad you watched it. So I love that. And then so a net new one to give to people, something that me and the whole family are just loving, is Taskmaster. Have you heard of this, Kelly? No. Taskmaster? Yeah. It's so good. So it originated out of the UK, It was a British game show that it's a comedy kind of game show. And so it was created by comedian and musician Alex Horn. And it is presented by Horn and Greg Davis, who's a comedian. You may have seen him on like the Graham Norton show. He's like a huge dude. Very funny. So it's a program where they get a group of five celebrities, mainly comedians, and they get them to attempt to complete a series of challenges with Horn acting as kind of like the umpire. And then the taskmaster, who's Greg Davis, is the judge and awards point and it happens over like a season so they obviously record all these tasks it's just so funny it is such easy viewing it's like for the whole family and now they have versions of it across the world so if you're going to start anyway i would start with the british series i think season four is one of the strongest you don't have to follow the seasons it's just like each season is kind of standalone mm-hmm. but I've never even heard of it The British one is probably one of the strongest. It's the original. I would say recommend. It's appropriate for family viewing. There may be like an age restriction on that, but like you can watch it with your mum and dad. There's no awkwardness. It's a really good laugh. It's so easy. And I think in this day and age, it's a good one. I love that. I've been absolutely flying through a new cookbook I got from Molly Baz, who I don't think you follow her, but (laughs) I hate cooking. Yep. This one's but funny because her she's done two cookbooks. One is Cook This Book. The second one is More is More, which is the one I'm cooking through now. But okay. Cook This Book was very educational. And this one is more about loosening up in the kitchen, having the food itself is incredible, but it is really fun to cook through it. Like she makes like really, really fun dishes and is a very light personality and like she has all these QR codes and everything so it makes it really easy to cook along. The QR codes is there like a video of her making the thing? Oh yeah. 
music yeah. to my ears. Yeah. She has audio guides, video guides, and then she'll do like step-by-steps in certain chapters of it. So I feel like you would actually really like it. Oh, fun. And I will say, I love the idea of gathering around food. And I I know I need to have like five dishes that I'm strong at for the times I host in my life. So maybe she's how I'm going to get there. Yeah. I think she would be a good one. And then last one is just, I've been reading a lot of really sad books recently. I'm like in a very grief memoir focused era of my life. When Breath Becomes Air is one of my favorite books. So I just read A Heart That Works by Rob Delaney. And it's about the death of his two-year-old son via brain cancer. Oh my goodness. It was heavy. It was beautiful. I was crying the vast majority of the book, but it was also very darkly funny. And I thought, I just haven't ever read anything like it before. So if you're feeling up for it, which you certainly aren't always in the mindset for it, I was extremely touched. It was a five out of five book experience. We're talking Goodreads recommendations. I mean, I think for me, the thing that makes me want to read that is so many people in my life are on their grief journey, and that's a journey that never ends. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of always interested in learning more about that kind of acute sense of grief. I can't imagine seeing such your little, little human go through something like that. Yeah, it's a really good perspective. Like if you want to get in touch with a deeper layer of empathy and just hear from somebody who's really been through it, this is a very accessible way to do so. Yeah, I might go buy that today. I love that. That's all I had. Is, is that wrapping up? Well, We've done it. We've recorded a second episode and we might even release it at the same time we released last week. So look at us growing and maturing. <laughs> Do we high five virtually? Yeah, I think we should. I absolutely hate that I can't give you a hug. So Kelly's going to cry at the end of this episode. This truly is like joining a long time face time, much more structured than our normal scattered conversation, which is probably good for us. True. Us. True. Hopefully you're enjoying it and sticking around. And as always, send your thoughts, your feelings, your feedback. Get to everyone in our lives. We love you. If anyone's feeling lonely, you're not alone and we're here for you. And I'm actually going to start martial arts this week. So if anyone else wants to do that too, we can go along for the ride virtually together. Okay, simply cannot wait to hear the update about that next week. Yeah, I'm either going to love it or I'll hate that I have to be patient in it. So stay tuned for that update. Can't wait. All right, love you, Cal. Love you. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.